So today's fun because we have a bunch of our ministries um, at different tables over here in the corner. Ministries, small groups, different activities that we do and have in this um, in our community. And it's fun. And there's a lot going on over there. And you might think when you see all that, you might say, hey, you know, um, what is your purpose here at TF at the fellowship? What is it? What is your purpose? What is it you guys are trying to accomplish? And you could ask, we could ask all sorts of questions. There are certain things we really love around here. One is, is our purpose to experience worship where our hearts soar and mysteries are revealed? Is our purpose to host the best carnivals and community outreaches? Is it um, to feed the poor? Is it to present amazing revelation? Like hopefully I'm gonna be up here and there's just gonna be like revelation, just like, <laughs> is that our purpose? To have incredible teachers? Is it to give and receive powerful prophetic words? Cause we love prophetic words around here. Is it to have faith that could move mountains? Is it that? Those are all really good things, things that we really love around here. But do any of them sound familiar? Have you ever heard of them in the context of scripture? Yes, in many ways. But listen to this one, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I read a story this week that illustrates this point. There was a man in a hot air balloon and he was up high and he realized he was lost. So he descended, he reduced his altitude. And as he got closer to the ground, he saw a man. And then he got a little lower and he said, he reached out and he shouted, excuse me, can you help me? My navigation systems have failed and I don't even know where I am. And the man below looked up at the balloon, the man, and he said, you're in a hot air balloon, approximately 30 feet above the ground. You're between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude and between 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. The man looked down back at him. You must be a pastor, <laughs> the balloonist said. I am, replied the man. How did you know? Well, answered the balloonist, you everything you told me is technically correct, but it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> How's that for a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13? <laughs> we can speak and give and have faith for all sorts of things that are technically correct. But if we don't love one another and love the people around us, we're irrelevant. We gain nothing. As much as we absolutely want to have amazing ministries, amazing teaching, amazing worship and outreach and so forth in this place, it isn't our primary purpose. It isn't the primary gig. 
Our purpose is to lead one another and others to Jesus so we can know the love of God and be empowered to love God ourselves and others well. The reason we have all these connection points available is so that you can have the opportunity to connect in community with others and learn about this love. The process of coming to Jesus, bringing others along, we're always inviting others, right? But bringing others along and learning how to love well, love God, and love others, it's called discipleship. That's what we call it around here. Sometimes we do it well, and honestly, sometimes we don't, right? That's honest. But we have this goal of loving one another and loving God. When Jesus prays that we would be one in John 17, it's one of his famous prayers. He says, I am in them and you are in me. He's praying this to the father. He says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's a point of his prayer. So we're this unique people here. We gather because we happen to think that Jesus's love is so incredible His ways are that amazing. His truth is that relevant and revolutionary to our thinking. And his life is that sustaining that he's worthy of following, worthy of our time, our attention, and our devotion. And when I come to Jesus and I start following him, I become that disciple, a learner, a believer of Jesus and his ways in his kingdom. In Mark 12, we read a story about a teacher of the law, a pastor, a rabbi, a bishop, whatever. He was also known as a scribe. It means he spent a lot of time writing down scripture. And he probably, and he knew, he knew the frequent debate of the time between Jewish rabbis about the 613 individual rules or commands that the law was given to people. And everyone tried to differentiate between all of these laws and commands. They would ask these questions, which one is the heavy one? Which one is the light one? Or which is the great command? Which is the little command? And they put all these 613 rules and commands into order. And so this scribe, this teacher of the law, perhaps recognizing that maybe this man, Jesus, is a rabbi, he comes and asks him to join the debate. He says, Jesus, of all the commands, which one is the most important? And Jesus answers him with the well-known words from the Mosaic tradition. He says, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In other words, God is one and there's no one beside him, so pay attention. And here he says it. He says, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and all your strength. And this is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So this idea of loving one another, loving God and loving one another, this Jesus came so we could do this. This is the good news. We're terrible at this. Are we not? Loving one another, loving God, it's not our strength. (laughs) But the good news is Jesus came so we could. This is the point of the story. This is it. This is the great command. This is the heavy command. If you're going to give weight to 
anything Jesus said, give weight to this. Start here. So love, it's hard, right? We all have this deep desire to be fully known and fully loved. And we understand we can't sometimes be fully loved until we are fully known. When we're in an interview process or trying out for a team or a dating process, any relationship scenario really, right? We often withhold information because of the risk of being fully known. Entire movie plots are made from this tension. Think about Clark Kent as Superman, Little Mermaid as Ariel, can't let anyone know I'm a mermaid. Luke Skywalker's hidden all the way on Tatooine from Darth Vader, can't know my true identity. Oh, I said it wrong, sorry. <laughs> we think if they know my weakness, my idiosyncrasies, my past, my true identity, Will I still get the job? Will they still like me? Can I make the team? Will I be safe? The answer is yes. Jesus invites you today to follow Jesus and be fully known and loved by God. And then be empowered by God to love God, yourself, and others well. Isn't it amazing? What incredible love. Now, how do we do this? How do we know this love? Well, first, we make a decision to follow Jesus and put our trust in him. For some of us, that decision is very clear and real and memorable. Remember, like Crystal's story, her faith story last week, everyone should listen to it. It was powerful. But there was a very decisive moment when she said, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to let him be my Lord and Savior. And it was a radical encounter. But for some of us, we start trusting in Jesus by degrees. We take baby steps. Sometimes we don't even know we're conscientiously making this decision. My mom at our house, we tease our mom because she likes pickled chilies. (laughs) And she started eating these pickled chilies and we're like, oh, this is fun. Pretty soon she's buying Costco-sized jars of pickled chilies. She didn't set out one day to say, I'm obsessed with pickled chilies. It was, she learned to love, it's an acquired taste, and she started eating chilies all the time. Sometimes out of intrigue, we just start following, trying things out. And that's a good way, that's an okay way. We all start following Jesus in different ways, and it's okay to do it that way. I've been hoping we're memorizing Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. I think I repeat it about once a month around here. It says this, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Trusting in Jesus makes space for Christ in our hearts. And then love has space to grow and develop roots. Then we understand, experience his love, and then we're empowered by it. 
And then we're made complete with the fullness of life. Isn't that incredible? It's so incredible. This passage describes a process. Roots don't grow down quickly unless they're weeds. Anybody know about weeds? It's time of those stupid goat head weeds right now in all our wild spaces. Oh, I want to just get rid of them all. But roots of love go down deep and they take time. There's another instance when Paul is writing to the Galatian church. The Galatian church, he discipled them in the freedom, the grace, and the love of God. But what had they done in this letter? They had turned back to old religious patterns and commands and striving to keep everything in order for God's goodness. They'd gone back to trying to earn God's favor instead of just trusting him. Listen to these words Paul writes to the Galatians. It's just one phrase or kind of two sentences or one sentence, combined sentence. Aaron, Caleb's learning about independent, independent sentences. Sorry, <laughs> I'm thinking about grammar right now. <laughs> Anyways, side note, erase. <laughs> I want to read these three <laughs> The English majors in here know what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, Galatians 4, 19. I want to read this verse three different ways. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Pay attention to this phrase, Christ is formed in you. The next one, this is the message version. Do you know how I feel right now and will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives? like a mother in the pain of childbirth. Now in the New Living Translation, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Today, as I'm standing here, I'm thinking about how much, how desperately Christ wants to be formed in us. He wants to be developed in us. There are so many things we can do, so many things we can strive for, but what matters is that Christ is formed in us, fully developed in us. His life is made visible in our lives. And for Christ to be at home in our hearts so that that love can abound in us for others. John 13, 35, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So, how is Christ and his love formed in us, developed and made visible? There are many ways, many ways, but I want to touch on just one, and it's being connected in God's body. Paul uses this um, analogy when he writes the Corinthians. He says, um, we're part of a body. So when we decide to follow Jesus, when we put our trust in him, we're born again. We become part of a spiritual family. This is what Corinthians says. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some Gentiles, some slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, 
that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? It's really quite comical to think about all these different parts of the body talking to each other. <laughs> but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. God puts us in this body together. He fashions us so we're together, and he puts us each where we belong. And there's this, there's this process when we become believers of discovering how we fit into this body. And am I a hand? Am I a foot? Am I an ear? Am I a nose? What am I in this body? <laughs> I know, it's a big question. But when we're put in the body, we discover this and learn this. When Jesus called his first disciples, they were immediately thrown into a company of people. Some of them even came in family units. Think about James and John were brothers. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were siblings. And these disciples, they developed relationships together. Mary, and then pretty soon they all knew each other, right? Mary knew Philip. Philip knew Nathaniel. Nathaniel knew James. They all knew each other. They were living life together. These disciples became Jesus' entourage, his squad, his gang, his pack, his crew, right? He was the head. They were the hands, the feet, his body. Think about how relational life with Jesus was. Walking here and there, praying, eating, sleeping, working together as a unit, times of worship, learning, when Jesus sent his disciples to preach the good news of the kingdom, he sent them in pairs. They lived life together with others. They were known by one another with all their weaknesses, their strengths, their past, even their futures. And as they were known, they were also loved. I asked Brian Hess if he would share his story with us today um, when he became a new believer. So Brian, I'm so thankful for Brian and Monica and Kay. Every Sunday, we're upstairs in the prayer room before service praying together. And I feel like about once a month, once every two months, Brian expresses his passion for small groups and community and how we need to, um, how much we need each other, especially when we're first starting out. Actually, always, but this story is about when he's first starting out as a new believer in Jesus. So, yeah, I, um, yes, sharing in front of groups makes me nervous sometimes, but um, yeah, I. So I, I, I became a believer in 2005 and, uh, you know, at the time, like I had, I was, I had an experience praying and just, I feel, I, I was filled with the Holy spirit and I was, 
really enthusiastic for God, really excited, but I didn't, I didn't really know anything about what was going on. I didn't, I just knew that I had a changed life. And uh, I, I attended a couple different small groups, but there was one group of friends that would get together. It was Wednesday or Thursday night, and we would just eat food, hang out, pray, listen to music or worship. And it was that and, you know, going to church, like being in those relationships with people was how I was able to, you know, really learn what it means to be a Christian or what it means to follow Jesus. And, you know, with, without that, it would have just, I think it would have been a very different journey. And, you know, since then I've, I've, I've participated in a bunch of different small groups or some people call them life groups, whatever church you're in, they have different names for them. But I, I just, I think it's really important to uh, have that community experience. Um, so Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. I mean, I, I really think on Sundays we get to experience a really cool community thing we pray we get to hear a message but i don't think you're able to make those close connections with people whereas you know when you get together you know outside of church even if it's just to eat food or you know do a small group you're able to build those relationships and those connections and hear from other people's experiences and grow in your faith and i i, I think that's what discipleship's all about i don't think it's just you know, older, older believers discipling younger believers. I also think it's like a reciprocal relationship where, you know, both people are, are discipling each other. It's a, it's a, it's a connection type of a thing. So I, I, don't, I encourage people to get involved, to get in, participate, you know, hang out, you know, have that, have that fellowship and that community together. And there's some good opportunities um, with these, uh, with the launch that we're doing today. So thank you. Thank you, Brian. I wanted Brian to share because he, he prays for this for us all the time. He prays that we will be a community that will be able to connect and pray together, eat together, worship together, study together, learn together, have fun together and um, develop relationships because it's that in that place that we develop love, we learn how to love. So just like Brian needed community, we want to make sure you all know about potential connecting points in our community. Now, for some of us, you already have groups of people you're getting together with and doing these things. For many of us, we already have just small groups or networks or friends that we might meet with intentionally. And so that's wonderful. We're not saying that you have to be part of these groups. The whole point, the whole point with having smaller groups or activities is that you're able to connect with others and grow in love. So it doesn't matter how you do this. It matters that you're being encouraged and strengthened and you are encouraging others because it's not just about me and it's not just about you. It's also about giving to others because that's when life grows and life is developed. Um, 
these groups, I'm going to run through them all so we all know. And listen, again, the purpose isn't just so that you know. The purpose is that when we have a guest come in here, or you have a friend at work who's in need, or you have a friend at school who needs to to do something different, learn something new, learn about Jesus, you know what is available so you can invite them. We want to be a place of invitation, invitation, and invitation. So these groups, let me, let me outline some of these groups. The first one is a group called Roots. And um, I know it's hard to read, but this is just to give you a visual of where it's at over there. This is, a, this is an introductory group to life being rooted and grounded in love. And so if you're new to our community, if you are new to following Jesus, this is a group that we'd love to have you join. It's six weeks. Please check it out. Another group we have is Grief Share. Grief Share is, de is designed to help people who are mourning, people who are grieving, that they won't do it alone, that they don't walk alone. Hey, Caleb, could you thank you so much? So go over there and check it out. There's so many amazing stories from this group. If you ask the wonkies or ask Kay of people, it, are we all, life is so, so hard and we can't navigate it alone. We can't do it alone. And if you join this group, you'll learn how to deal with loss and pain and grief in the company of people who will love you. And then you can invite others again and be with them when they go through mourning. We have a young men's group. Raise your hand, Chris. Chris and Mike, they love young guys. They love, they love everybody, but they're developing a group that if you would like to come and sit on the back porch down by the creek, as Chris calls it, all they do is chit-chat. <laughs> That's all they do. I don't know what else they do. I think they probably throw rocks too <laughs> and build fires. <laughs> and so connect with Chris, be with a group of guys. So you have a place to process life there. Chris is wonderful. I could go on and on about your impact in our life. Personally, this is someone to learn from and be with. And same with Mike. Mike's not here, but Mike as well. Um, in the mornings, every once or not on a weekly basis, Aaron, my husband over there, raise your hand. He's leading a men's morning prayer. I mean, what a great way to start your, oh, I skipped. Sorry, I skipped. Go back, growing older and wiser. This is a group with Stanley back there. For those of us who've been following the Lord a long time or getting older and wiser in life and we're like empty nest or I don't know what to do with retirement or how do I fit into the kingdom of heaven? All those rough questions that we can sometimes face, you'll get to be with Stanley and Lori. Um, the next one is prayer and encouragement with Kay. Raise your hand, Kay. I join this group often on Tuesday afternoons. Cheryl Brazell. Um, one of our missionaries in Southeast Asia joins us. It's 5 a.m. for her. She is faithfully praying for us in our body here. How And we pray for her. And it's just such a blessing. She's such an encouragement to us, isn't she, Kay? And so this one's entirely on Zoom. But Kathy sometimes joins us on our walks. People join us from their bedroom. People join us from their offices from their cars, wherever you are, you can join us to pray. 
um, the men's morning prayer with Aaron. Sorry, go find out more about there. What a great way to start your day. Lots of people have asked about the Freedom Seminar. Um, Freedom Seminar is where we help people deal with life um, dominating issues of sin. In the Freedom Seminar, we deal with spiritual bondage, we deal with generational bondage. We do that, we're going to do that in the winter. So stay tuned, it's happening. Let your friends know we'll be doing it this winter. Also, Care Portal. There are children and families in crisis in our community, and we have a heart to help them. Care Portal creates the connection. Um, Kelly Joe, where's Kelly Joe? Aha, there she is. Kelly Joe is back there. She can tell you all about it. It's a practical way to partner with um, even our government system. So we're partnering with social workers and we're doing our best to bless them because their work is hard and we appreciate them. And we want to partner with them and bless them and bless the people that they are trying to help. And so this is a great um, thing to be involved with. So find out more about it. We need lots of help there. Um, Young Voices Choir, Kathy, raise your hand. Kathy back there is leading a middle school and high school and youth choir. And so if you are interested in learning music, learning more about worship, talk with Kathy. It's interesting. I, I watch because my daughter's involved. And the other day I picked up Jane and Kathy said, yeah, we had lots of interesting conversations. <laughs> so not only are these kids learning to sing, but they're learning to learn from one of our worship leaders and they're growing. And that's part of loving well, loving one another, doing something together helps us grow in love and helps us mature as a body. So um, we have signups for our youth ministry and our children's ministry and nursery. With youth ministry, every day I sit up in, when I'm here in the office, I watch all the high school students, Jordan high school students, walk up and down the street. And I cannot tell you how much I pray for them. <laughs> I actually heard a story recently of a Jordan High School student who started following the Lord like in the last two years. And I was just like, Ugh. and it was kind of miraculous how it happened. And I was like, oh, Lord, thank you for answering my prayers. He's just meeting people. God is meeting people, but those students are looking for a place of connection. They want to learn how to love God and love others well. And so if you um, want to sign up for youth ministry or you are interested in helping with youth ministry, that is so awesome. With both youth ministry, children's ministry, and nursery, we're down to the first and third Sundays of every month. And we are asking God that we could somehow get to every Sunday because the people in our land have kids. And if we're going to love our community well, we, got, we want to love their kids well. And if we want to grow in the love of the Lord, we need them around us. We need to learn from them. We need to receive from them. They have things to show us. But we, we're asking God for more laborers for that harvest so that by somehow, by God's grace, maybe in January, we can start having children, nursery, and youth every Sunday. Would you all pray with us for that? Would you pray, and if God puts it on your heart, would you let us know so we could 
have that here in our church, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, we also have Sunday serve team. So um, on Sundays, there's lots that goes into this. We have security. Do you guys all see Brian back there? Back there. Thank you, Brian. The, why is he sitting in the hall back there? So that he can see everybody coming in and out so he can walk the parking lot and make sure everything is safe and good. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> and thank you, Eric, and others who do that in our midst. We appreciate it so much. Um, somebody came to us the other day and said, we could be greeters. We, could, we can um, make coffee. And I was like, yes, we would love that. We would love to have you helping us with that. If you are interested in helping on Sunday morning in a variety of ways, prayer teams, worship, any of those things, Tom is going to be over there and you can chat with him. And we might not figure it out all today, but we can figure out how to include you and how you can be part of it. Okay, these ministries and small groups, everything we do here, me standing here, Brian's sitting back there. It doesn't mean anything if there isn't love in our midst, right? I mean, we gain nothing by any of this without love. Even these groups, they could just be longitude and latitude, like a spot on the map. But with love, these connections are means for us to live life together, to learn love, to practice love, and to receive love from God. I want to give special thanks to all the leaders who are hosting and facilitating these different ministries and groups. They're, they're giving their time and their hearts for children and youth, for the grieving, the needy, new followers amongst us, and the ones growing older and wiser, so we can be a body with hands and feet and eyes and livers and kidneys and hearts. So we can be a body that functions well together with Jesus as our head. I also want to give special thanks to um, Tom for helping us set up today and Stanley for the cinnamon rolls. And Monica did a lot of extra work today with um, all the graphics. I just thank you guys. We appreciate you guys helping us get all this set up. So um, we're going to close today. Let's stand. Okay, Lord Jesus, you are so amazing. You are so incredible. We thank you that you invite us to be part of your body. It's not, it's a physical, tangible group of people. And we get put together so we can learn how to love you, love ourselves and love others. Thank you, God, for your ways. Thank you for the way you put us together. And I just pray today that every person who comes into our midst would find a connection point. And if not here in another church, because we're all one big body, but I just pray that every person who comes would find the place where they can connect into your body so that they can be discipled and rooted and grounded and love and develop roots that help them be strong. In the name of Jesus, amen.